Hey, this is Greg Knapp. Welcome to the podcast. Coming up today on the podcast, an interview with author, blogger, content creator, and speaker Jeff Goins on how you don't have to starve to do your art. Then I'm going to explain how you can choose yourself and go around the gatekeepers who are trying to stop your dreams. Ready? Let's go. You know how you sometimes feel stuck? Like you're drifting through life, going through the motions? You know you were created for something more, that an average life just isn't enough for you. Then you're in the right place. Find your purpose. Live your passion. Let's go. Hey, I'm so glad you're with me. Hey, listen, if you're anything like me, once or twice, you probably told yourself something like this. Self, I have a dream, a passion, a purpose, and I want to pursue it and share it with the world. But you know what, man, dude, it's kind of risky. I might fail. I should probably stick with my safe job. I mean, I don't want to become a starving artist. Do you? But what if the starving artist is a myth? What if there's a way to start working on your passion and purpose, build success over time, and then take a strategic risk and make it your full-time endeavor? I mean, that would be sweet, right? I love this. People tell me to be realistic. Be realistic. Listen, when has being realistic ever resulted in being awesome? Well, that's what Jeff Goins' new book is all about. It's called Real Artist Don't Starve. And he walks you through the myth of the starving artist and all the lies that we've been told. And mostly we're told these lies by well-meaning people, right? And he gives you strategies to pursue your art without ending up eating government cheese in a van down by the river. Greg, I don't do art. I do work. Well, I roll with it. All work can be art if you're doing it at the level of... Your best. I mean, really, your best work becomes art, doesn't it? So it doesn't matter whether you're a singer, an art, or a paint, uh, an arter, <laughs> a singer, an artist, a painter, or a construction worker, or a doctor, or a teacher, whatever it is, a content creator, an online digital marketer. If you do it the best you can, it can become a type of art. So before I bring Jeff in, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast, for subscribing to it, rating and reviewing it. And I'm going to give you my book for free. It's called Go, How to Find and Pursue Your Passion and Purpose. All you have to do is go to gregorybnapp.com slash go free, and you can get it right there. You can also call me and leave a voicemail with any question you'd like me to address on this podcast, 904-373-6591. I'm only saying these things one time because they're in the show notes and I don't want to take up our time. All right. Let's go. I'm joined now by Jeff Goins. He's a lot of things. He's an artist. He's an author. He's a marketer. He's a speaker. He's a creative thinker. And he's got his newest book out now called Real Artists Don't Starve, Timeless Strategies for Thriving in the New Creative Age. Jeff, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Greg. How are you? Doing well. I appreciate your time today, and I appreciate the book. I, I like the premise of it, and it's this idea that Hey man, if 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 you're going to be an artist, you know, you might starve and it's right. probably better to have a fallback plan and <laughs> you know, I and your your dad's like, "Why won't he get a real degree?" right? Those kind of things. <laughs> How do you fight yeah. that? Well, I don't think you fight it. I mean, that's um that's not, you know, like you cannot change people's minds simply by arguing with them and in spite of how hard we try sometimes. I think the only way you fight it is uh, you live a different story. And so the reason I wrote this book is because I believe that today this ID 
idea of a starving artist is actually a myth. And I live in Nashville where I've got a lot of musicians and artists and even authors and entrepreneurs. And I was talking to somebody about this. I said, you know, I have this book about the myth of the starving artist. And the the guy uh, I was talking to who had been in the music business for a long time, he goes, so, you know, this guy who's, you know, touring full time with a band and is barely making a living, like that's a myth. And uh, I I love that challenge. But when I say myth, I mean any story, whether it's true or not, that when we believe it, it becomes true. And so the myth of the starving artist is true for anyone who believes it. And so I think the best way to fight that kind of pushback, oh, you know, you want to be an artist, whatever that means to you, you've got a creative idea, a passion that you want to share with the world. Good luck with that. You might starve. I think the way you combat that is you believe a different story, the story of the thriving artist. And it turns out when you believe that, that becomes true too. Yeah, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. There's the famous Henry Ford quote, right, that is still true today in so many things. And I like how you talk about artist isn't just a musician or a singer or a painter, uh, the traditional sense of an artist. You can be an artist and be a business person. You can be an artist and be a teacher, right? You can be an artist and be a doctor because what you're doing, you've turned into art. Absolutely. You know, and the reason I wrote this book is because uh, creativity, art, these are things that we understand today. Uh, are seeping into every area of life, every industry, every field of work. And so I define art as your creative gift that you have to share with the world. And in that sense, we're all artists. And, uh, you know, the book is, is simply a challenge that if you've got something like that in you, as you talk about, Greg, uh, if you've got a passion that you want to share with the world, you really don't have an excuse these days. There, you know, the I can't excuses are gone. The internet, the opportunities that exist because of technology. Now is the best time to be a creative person and share your art with the world if we can simply believe that we don't have to starve for our art. The book's called Real Artists Don't Starve. Jeff Goins, a best-selling author of The Art of Work, with me here on the program. Let's get right into that because you have strategies in here. How do you make a living off being an artist? Well, uh, so in the book, there's 12 strategies. I can share a a few of them with you. Uh, The first way that you do this is you find a patron. And I don't mean this in the, you know, 16th century version of the word where, you know, you've got somebody like Michelangelo going to, you know, uh, a pope or somebody and saying, pay me millions of dollars to create something. Uh, That system doesn't really work well today. But there is a patronage system that that works quite well today, and it looks uh, a number of ways. One way is you find influencers. You find people like yourself uh, that can help a person's art spread. And what's cool about that today is we have so many tastemakers. We have so many people building platforms, having these niche audiences. And so if you have uh, a message that you want to share, you have some creative gift that you want to share with the world – One of the best ways to get it to spread quickly is to go find these influencers, and they exist everywhere, and these are kind of our version of a patron today. If you find these people, and they're all around us, and you demonstrate that you've got a gift and that you're teachable and worth investing in, these people will help your art spread faster. That's one strategy. Another way to do it is to crowdsource things. Again, another form of patronage where you build an entire community you know, you and I were talking before this interview started about Michael Hyatt and how he talks about building a platform. I took that advice very seriously five years ago and started a blog and built an online community of hundreds of thousands of people. 
And I'm, I'm just a guy who had something that I wanted to share with the world. And so when you build that community and you make it about them, uh, they turn around and make it about you. And so building an online community and finding ways to uh, monetize that uh, is, is another really great way to make a living off your art today. Yeah, and you have more details on that in the book, Real Artists Don't Starve, and and on your website. And by the way, let's throw out that website. Where should people go if they want to learn more and if they want to buy the book? Check out the book and go to don'tstarve.com. Very cool, don'tstarve.com. And some of the other things you talk about is you should steal. And we've always been told not yeah. to steal. You tell us yeah. steal. What do you mean? Yeah, well, you know, your mom always told you, you know, don't, don't take things that aren't yours. Um, so, you know, the book is, is all these rules and principles that are kind of counterintuitive, things that we wouldn't think would lead to the success of an artist. And it turns out these are things that artists have always done, the timeless strategies. And, and they're also things that we can do today uh, in, in some ways better than they've ever been done before because of technology and, and the opportunities that exist. You know, you don't have to go through gatekeepers anymore. You don't have to go through a publisher if you want to publish a book or a record label if you want to, um, you know, cut a record. So uh, when I talk about stealing, what I'm talking about is how to be truly creative. Before you can go share your art with the world, you've got to figure out what that is. And it, it doesn't happen the way that we tend to think creativity happens, which is you've got some lone genius who has a, a, a brilliant uh, you know, flash of insight, and then they go create something. Typically, uh, the way that we create is by curating, by borrowing, by stealing other people's ideas and combining them in our own unique style. And I, when I was reading about Jim Henson, I realized he did this. He wasn't, even though he created groundbreaking puppetry techniques, what he was really doing was he was borrowing from his influences. Twyla Tharp is a you know, a famous dancer and choreographer, world-renowned. And it turns out that the way she started her career was she went to New York City and she started um, dancing in these dance studios and she was literally mimicking. She was copying the dance moves of other people. This is how we become creative, not by making it up on our own. We don't try to be original. We steal from our influences. And if you steal from one person, then you're a thief. But if you steal from multiple influences, you're an artist. Yeah, it's innovation before creation, right? Like I play the guitar, and so I listen to, you know, Buddy Guy and B.B. King and Eric Clapton yeah. and, and all these different guys and try and play their riffs, and then they start to blend together, and then it becomes my riff eventually. And it's the That's same right, kind of thing yeah. you're talking about, right? If you you got to try all these different things because you got to get good at what you do first, and the only way you even can do that is by copying the best and then it starts to turn into, okay, I could twist this and I can do this a little different. And now I'm getting this idea. And, but you still got those influence underneath it. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's an accident. Uh, from one guitar player to another, have you seen that documentary? It might get loud. No, I need to. Oh, you got to see it. So the documentary is um, it's a kind of a three part interview of Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Right. Uh, you know, The Edge from U2 and um, Jack White from White Stripes. And, um, you know, it's kind of three different generations of electric guitarists and how they got their sound. And they're interviewing The Edge and they're saying, how did you get this unique sound that everybody, you know, for the past 25 years have been trying to copy? Uh, and he goes, you know, the way that we got this sound was we were trying to copy all the metal bands from the 80s and we weren't that good. <laughs> and so what came about was this kind of simple sound where, you know, I, I use these effects pedals and I had these very simple 
chord voicings because I couldn't do what they were doing. And this was my best attempt at trying to, you know, copy what they were doing. And, and this is what came out. And so often style is our attempt at copying, stealing from our mentors and influencers and doing it the best or the worst that we can. And then something unique comes out of that attempt that the world calls original. But we, the creators, know that really we're just stealing and and borrowing from a bunch of different influences. And as, as you said, Greg, when you kind of combine it, all, this, all these different things together, you end up with something that looks creative. Yeah, it really does. Real Artists Don't Starve is the book. Jeff Goins, the author. You can go to don'tstarve.com. Um, one of the things I love, you talk about apprenticing under a master. And I, and I love that idea. And I've had people tell me, well, Greg, the problem is I'm just starting out. I don't have money to hire a coach. I don't have money to pay for this new program. How do I start with no money getting under a master? How, right. Is there a way to do that, Jeff? Yeah. So what you want to do is, uh, first of all, I think this is a lost art, apprenticeship. So many people want to be masters, and they don't want to go through the long, hard years of apprenticeship. In the Middle Ages and in the Renaissance, artists, craftsmen, they uh, found a trade. They got into you know their vocation by spending seven years studying under another master, serving them, uh, doing whatever they wanted to do, basically for free in exchange for room and board. And then they'd go be a journeyman for two to three years, travel around, kind of practice the trade. And then if they were good enough, after about 10 years total, uh, they could become a master. And I find today, you know, um, people just want to go to mastery. They go, okay, I, I have a degree. <laughs> now, you know, pay me, you know, a million dollars or $100,000 or whatever it is to do the thing that I want to do. And the truth is you've got to do the long, hard work of apprenticing under a master to really figure out how it's done. And this is something I think that's lacking in our education system and in our culture uh, today in America, especially. And so something that you're going to have to choose, it's not going to be appointed to you like it was 500 years ago. I still think it's worthwhile. And the way that you do it, uh, yeah, hiring your coach is great. That's fine. Signing up for an online course is great. But really the first step is free. And the first step is you become somebody's case study. So if I want you to mentor me, Greg, the worst way for me to do this is to call you up or email you and say, will you mentor me? Right? Because you have no idea what that means or looks like, you're a busy guy. Right. Are you gonna it's not that you don't want to invest in people. I think this is something that we get wrong about influential people. They want to invest and multiply their influence. They just have limited time and they want to make sure that they're influencing in people who are gonna provide a return. They're actually gonna do <laughs> the things that you tell them to do. I think the best way to do this, and this is actually how Michelangelo uh, got his uh first master, a guy who was one of the most influential painters in Florence at the time. You you demonstrate that you are teachable. And so if I want to be your mentee, what I should do is I should go buy your book. I think I can you know, find somebody to go buy your book and then read it and then do everything in the book that you say or as much as possible and then send you an email and say, hey, I read your book. I did this, this, and this. Here's how it helped me. Now what do I do? Because now I've set the stage to say, look, I'm already doing this stuff. I'm already on, you know, in motion, headed towards success, but I would love your help in steering, you know, the, the, the wheel. And this is how you begin an apprenticeship relationship these days. And if you do this with 10 people that you look up to, that you want uh, them to invest in you, 
I guarantee you at least one of them is going to respond. And now you've opened the door and you just keep doing it. So when they say, go do this, okay, go do that, and then come back and do it again. This is how uh, I got Michael Hyatt to basically mentor me, not to, I didn't ask him formally to meet with me once a week. I started doing the things that he talks about on his blog, in his podcast, in his books, and he saw that I was somebody uh, worth investing in. And so I kept showing up and he kept meeting me there. This is how you find a master, somebody to apprentice you today. Awesome. That is just uh, priceless advice right there. Real artists don't starve. Jeff Goins. Last thing I wanted to ask you, because I talk about this a lot, this idea of taking strategic risks instead of reckless risks. And and because I always say this whole idea of taking, I'm not going to take a risk. I want to play it safe. I don't think there is a way to play it safe anymore. Everything is a risk. It just depends on what type of risk, because staying in the same job is a risk. They could fire you tomorrow. Uh, going right. for what you love is a risk. It might not work, but it might work. So how do you differentiate those strategic risks versus reckless ones? Right. So, I, I mean, I think there's such a thing as taking the right risk. And um, in business and investing, uh, people know this uh, really well. You know, it's the idea of calculated risk because everything has risk. Staying in a job, quitting your job, these all you know, have risks. I do believe that you know if you're pursuing your passion, it comes a point where you have to ask yourself the question, can I do this full-time? Should I be doing this full-time? Should I be dedicating more of my time to this creative endeavor, and should I find a way to try to make a living off of it so I have more time to commit to it? This is what made me quit my job six years ago was not that I hated it, but because I was writing books, I was speaking, uh, I was teaching online courses, and I was running out of time to do all these things. And, right. and that, those opportunities were growing and growing and growing. So um, a lot of people go, ah, I'm going quit to quit my job and figure it out. I think that's the wrong risk. The right risk is, is what I call the art of the small bet. And basically, you're taking small steps uh, on a daily basis in the direction of where you want to go. Take John Grisham, for example, You know, one of the most influential uh, fiction authors today, one of the most successful living authors today. And how he got started as an author was he didn't quit his job and, and start writing fiction. He wasn't even sure that he was a writer. What he did, first of all, he was a lawyer and he was a new dad. So just imagine like the busiest person possible. Right. And he got up and went to work about an hour early every day and wrote one page of a novel that he was working on just to see if he could do it. He wrote it. It took him two years. <laughs> He published it. It, fl it flopped. It didn't do very well. And he goes, well, okay, I like that. I'm going to do it again. Does it again, writes the next book, is able to sell that book to a major publisher. That book was The Firm and ends up you know, becoming this mega bestseller. And then he quits his job and becomes a full-time author several years down the road. This is the art of the small bet. And I recently read a, a study about entrepreneurs who – quit their jobs and then started a business versus entrepreneurs who kind of started a business on the side and then quit their jobs. And the ones who waited, the ones who kind of took those small steps, they built a bridge, they didn't take a leap, uh, they were 33% more likely to succeed. So what that means is if you quit your job and then try to start a business, chase a passion because you think this is how you go all in on a big idea you're actually more likely to fail than if you take your time, you build it on the side, and, 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 and you kind of take these small steps in the right direction. That's the right kind of risk. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And it also takes a lot of the fear away because you're sh showing yourself, hey, I can do this. And you start making these little wins, and then you can ke keep getting bigger and bigger wins. And then that 
big dream you have doesn't seem so insurmountable and, and you get that motivation you need to keep going. I love all that. Sounds yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, I think this idea that you've got to take a big bet, that you got to go all in, these big, big stories of chasing your dream, entrepreneurship, we you know, went bank, we nearly went bankrupt and all this stuff, uh, those are great survival stories. But for every one of those stories, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of stories of failure, people who did that and they failed. And the truth is that most people who are succeeding at their dream today, that I personally know, they did it this way. They didn't take a leap. They built a bridge. Love it. The book is called Real Artists, Don't Starve. It's timeless strategies for thriving in the new creative age. You can go online right now to don'tstarve.com. Uh, Jeff, hey, thanks so much for being with us. I really appreciate what you do. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Greg. Really appreciate Jeff's time. And if you want to learn more from Jeff, go to his website. It's goinswriter.com. I've got that in the show notes as well. Remember, get my book, Go, for free, gregorybnapp.com slash go free. That's in the show notes. On to part two. Okay, it was great hearing from Jeff Goins about how you can do your art and not starve. And sometimes people say, Greg, here's the problem. The gatekeepers are stopping me. You know the gatekeepers are, right? They're the people who tell you no on your loan application. They're the people who pass over you for your promotion. Maybe you're waiting for someone to ask you to marry him. Maybe you're never given the lead role. So... What I tell my daughters and what I've been trying to tell myself is why do we think we have to wait to be chosen? I mean, why do we have to play by someone else's rules? Why do we have to live up to somebody else's standards to be what they consider good enough? Why not just choose ourselves? Well, Greg, what do you mean? Okay, well, listen, I'm sure you've heard of Monet, Renoir, Cezanne, Degas, Pizarro, Sicily. Greg, do you think it makes you sound smarter when you have an accent? Yes, yes, I do. And I hope I'm pronouncing all those names correctly. But these are all great painters, right? And Malcolm Gladwell tells a great story about them in his book. It's called David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. And I've got the link to that in the show notes as well. Well, back in the 1860s, Paris was the place for art, man. I mean, they ruled. So if you wanted respect, you wanted to make money, you needed to have your works accepted at the Salon de Paris. There's that accent again. Sorry. So the judges, though, had really strict standards on this. Not just anybody got into the Salon de Paris. Art was supposed to represent real life. There were supposed to be very defined details in it. No paintbrush strokes should be visible. Abstract art? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. That was always rejected. So the Impressionist art did not fit the parameters of the Salon de Paris. And they tried to get in anyway. Years they were trying to get in, and they were never chosen by the salon. So they were struggling because they wanted to be true to the art they wanted to make, but they also needed to pay the bills. They wanted to buy a little bread and cheese on the Champs-Élysées, right? So the painters decided to choose themselves, and they staged their own art show. They went around it, and it was vastly different than the salon. And they slowly started to build an audience. I wonder if they gave away free wine. Some critics started seeing the beauty in their art. And slowly, they changed the art world. I mean, it's scary to go outside of the so-called experts. I get that. You, you know these gatekeepers are the ones who can make you or break you. That's what we're always told, right? But you can make or break yourself. These directors and judges think they can tell you what's right and what's good and what's good enough and what's better, but they're just people. And they don't represent everybody. So why do we keep giving them the power to decide if we are good enough? 
Be like Monet. Be like Renoir. Choose yourself. Find a new way to show what you can do. What do you mean, Greg? Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not a painter. We're not in Paris. It's not uh, 18, whatever it was. Okay, but if you've been wanting to write a book, why wait for the publisher to tell you yes or no? Why not self-publish? You can do it. It's not very hard at all anymore. You want to start a TV show or you want to showcase your music? Why not start your own YouTube channel? You can start your own business on the side. You don't have to quit the day job to do it now. How about creating a new product or service that you can start selling on your own website tomorrow? Hey, maybe one day what you create will be priceless too. Or at least a pretty nice price. <laughs> so I got a question for you. What have you tried to do but been told no by the gatekeepers? And have you ever gone around them? And if so, tell us how. Because I want to share that with other people who are struggling with a way around the gatekeepers. Man, I really appreciate having you join me on the podcast. And don't forget, if you have a question you want me to answer, 904-373-6591. Leave me the voicemail message. I'll put your voice into the podcast. That's pretty sweet. And if you want my book for free, it's called Go. Just go to Gregory V. Knapp slash go free. It's in the show notes. Thanks for listening, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast and helping me build it. Let's go.